Coming up on the Rami La Vie podcast, episode 114, a total disaster in New England for the Jets, not because of the way the game ended and the inventing new ways to lose, but because of the way the three hours went in this game, particularly as it pertains to Zach Wilson and his post-game press conference only made it worse. All that and a lot more as we talked about all the games in the NFL on Sunday and previewed Monday Night Football next on the Rami La Vie podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Plus, you can exchange unlimited text messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. So I talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything. One of the things that I learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami La Vie podcast. It is presented, as always, by BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com. Use my name, Rami, R-A-M-I, for your first month, 10% off your first month of online therapy. Um, And I hope everyone is enjoying their football Sunday. As you can imagine, I, for certain, was totally enjoying my football Sunday. Um, I hope my sarcasm is translating. First of all, I do want to shout out on this football Sunday... Uh, as now you're listening to this, it's Monday morning, um, or anytime you're listening to this, wherever you are, uh, it's my father's birthday. So happy birthday. If you listen to this podcast, I talk about him a lot. Um, he's been on a bunch of times and so he is someone who is very important to me in my life. So shout out, happy birthday. That's, uh, I wanted to get that out of the way. And in honor of, uh, his birthday, the Jets did what they do best and I'm going to get right into it because there's no way to sugarcoat this there's no way to talk around this it's the Jets being the Jets and I said on last episode um, if you listen when I picked the game that I didn't have a reason why I was picking the Patriots logically it made sense for the Jets to win this game Um, and that's why when I when I watch this game and earlier today, before I watched this game, I said, I don't want to play the results of this game. I don't want to dis- talk about afterwards whatever happened in the game based on who won, who lost, and the results of it. 
I wanted to talk about it from the perspective of how I was feeling throughout the game and what we actually saw. Because I didn't think there was a chance that the Jets would win this game. Uh, And for whatever reason, it's because I've watched the Jets my whole life. And anytime it seems like there's a big game when they need a win, and a game like today where winning you're in first place, losing you're in last place, against the Patriots, on the road... You need a big performance from your quarterback to see if he's the guy. You finally have the most talented team you've had probably since you went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games. Not probably, definitely. And this team is younger and probably more talented than that team. And they didn't come through. And he didn't come through more than anything. The quarterback didn't. And so when you have games like that, you know it's in our DNA. And I had argued with a friend about this. He's like, the DNA is different. This is a different coaching staff is different organization different front office different players and I said some things transcend all that and with the Jets it's been at least my life is 25 years and I could talk to my father who's told me in his life it's 50 years they've transcended that his entire life of how long he's been a Jets fan and how long they've been doing this for and Jets fans are sick and tired of this This is just what they do, whether it's Thanksgiving and it's coming up, the anniversary, and your quarterback is running into a butt and fumbling, or whether it's a loss like this, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and Buffalo, anytime they need a big win, anytime it's a scenario like this, they find a way to just not only lose, but royally screw it up. And so I I thought about it. I was like, look, the Jets have actually struggled coming out of the bye. Maybe they'll be a bit rusty. I'd like to see just what they do, what the game plan is, what the approach to this game is. And I didn't want to play the results of the game. And so that's how I'm going to look at it because everyone knows how the game ended. And I think a lot of people are going to talk about how the game ended. But I want to talk about the game as a whole from an entire perspective. I'm not going to sit here and yell and scream about how the Jets invented a new way to lose this game because ultimately coming into the game, I didn't know how they'd do it, but I knew they'd find a way to lose. And they did. Trust me. That was spectacular. I've never seen anything like it. The first punt return for a touchdown of the season. And of course, it's that way. And that's how it ends for the Jets. I mean, I've never seen that before. But like I said, that wasn't the thing that I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about the game itself. First of all, on the positive side, doesn't sound like me, right? I'm starting with a positive about the Jets today. I don't know why. Maybe it's I'm like I'm in a good mood. I I played football this morning. I played terribly personally um, in my flag football league, but I came in. I worked, worked pregame show, Ravens game, worked the postgame show. Just produced a couple hours of radio and producing a bunch of radio shows this week. If you're listening. Download the Odyssey app. I'll be on 105.7 The Fan on. Uh, Thursday, we're doing Thanksgiving morning, morning drive. I'll be here from nine, uh, from 6 a.m. to uh, noon. On Monday this week, I'm doing morning and afternoon traffic on the fan and uh, locally in Baltimore and the other sport, uh, radio stations. And I'm, I'm producing a couple shows on Tuesday. So Friday, also Black Friday, I'll be working morning drive again. So I'm having fun. I'm having a good week. I produced the postgame show today. Um and I'm feeling good. The vibes are positive. And look, I love this Jets team, whether they win or lose, whether they abuse me or not. I think I've proven that because I've been a fan for 25 years and they've only abused me. And so I still, if you're watching this right now, I still wear the colors. I still rep. I'm wearing my Jets hoodie. I'm wearing my Jets cap. And I wear it with pride. If I wasn't a big fan, I would have abandoned Chip a long time ago. So 
I'm going to start with a positive and tell you what I think is good about this team, and that's the defense. The defense is generational. They were constantly in bad positions because of field position. Bill Belichick played the field position game all, all day long, and ultimately, even if they don't return that kick for a touchdown, maybe they have enough time to kick a field goal because he played the field position game all game long. That might have ultimately just been a strategy. Like, I don't think this quarterback can score against me. He stinks. The Jets are the Jets, like he said before the game. And so I'm just going to play the field position game all game long. And he did. And he was winning it. And yet the Jets defense time and time again stepped up. And did it help that the Patriots missed a couple field goals, a couple doinks? Yeah, it helped. That helps. That helps you win games. But the sacks on third and fourth down, second down, to knock them out of field goal range, to make it more difficult. This defense, I mean, the way they started the game again, and by the way, this only happens to the Jets too, where immediately after a fumble is called on the field, they don't even have to go to review. They overturn the call so that now if the Jets want to get the call, they have to challenge it. Like that only happens to the Jets. Every other scenario, they let the fumble stand so that it's a turnover and it automatically gets reviewed. But against the Jets, no, it's automatically, they they don't go to review. And by the way, speaking of fumbles, the Jets never recover. A f- I don't think they've ever recovered a fumble in my life. There was another one that they forced a fumble and was just sitting there on the ground. I think it was on the first, uh, on the, I guess, the Patriots field goal drive. We're just sitting there on the ground and the tight end recovers his own fumble. He would have walked into the end zone if he didn't drop it. Luckily, he drops it and then can't recover it. But as I'm watching this game, so first of all, like I said, Jets, generational on defense. Think about what the guys do on the front, like Quinn and Williams. I mean, Quinn and Williams would be a defensive player of the year category. I said this already, but what he does in the run game, what he does in the pass game, the way he disrupts, disrupts everything going on and the guys around him, whether it's Huff, whether it's Clemens who had a nice game and Huff makes a big play every week. Once a week, he makes a giant play and he should be getting more playing time, um, whether it's uh, even... I don't know, uh, Quincy Williams, who's Quinnen's brother, obviously, and other guys on this team. Carl Lawson even had a couple of big plays today. Everyone on this Jets defense plays incredible. And that front is, it starts with that front. The two corners, I mean, they didn't give up anything today. Did Reed and Sauce give up anything? I, I don't think so. I didn't see them giving up too much today. The safeties are like the only question mark, I guess, about this team. Um, but that's it. Like this team and the the, the linebackers are good enough. C.J. Mosley is good enough. It's a really talented, really good defense. Like I said, this is an all-time really good defense, and that's why they were in this game, because they should have gotten blown out in this game if not for the defense. Look at the offensive side of the ball. There's skilled guys everywhere. Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, who had a bad drop, but Garrett Wilson, Moore, also just makes a couple of plays in this game that are like, wow, how's he How's he doing that? Runs a couple of routes. Um, so there's talent everywhere on this team. Everywhere you look, there's talent on this team. And like I said, the one thing that stands out in this game, because when I was watching it, I tweeted this, the Jets set themselves up to do the same thing they did against Buffalo. Keep it close, had one field goal drive in there, keep it close, and then go into the half with, uh, I think they had maybe a drop under three minutes left to go in the half, they got the ball, score before the half, come out of the half, you get the ball first, And that's how you put the game away. Just like that. End the game right there. And then all you have to do is lean on your defense the rest of the way. You didn't even need two touchdowns. You need a touchdown and a field goal. Uh, Two field goals. Any kind of score. And it's three and out going into the half and three and out coming out of the half. And right then, I said, the way this Jets defense is playing, 
You had to get points on those possessions. And they didn't. They couldn't do it. And that's when I realized that the Jets were not going to win this game and there was no chance they were going to win this game. The next thing I wrote on Twitter as I was watching this was, if they don't get a defensive touchdown, they might not score more than three points. They might not score the rest of the game if they don't get a defensive touchdown. I said that at some point in the third quarter. So all those things that I'm talking about, there's talent on the offensive side. The defense played as good of a game as I've seen any defense play in a long time. What does that mean? There's one person on this team, and maybe you want to say two if you include someone on the coaching staff, that this falls on, and that is Zach Wilson. The New York Jets do not trust Zach Wilson. And my problem with that is not that I'm saying they should trust Zach Wilson because he hasn't shown you anything that tells you they should trust him. No, they shouldn't trust him. I get it. But if you don't trust him, you have to bench him. You can't put him out there every game and keep playing him if you're not going to let him play. If you're going to let him play, let him make his mistakes and let him prove that he's bad. And then you could bench him at that point. If every time you put him out there and you let him play his game, he's going to throw picks. If that's what you're scared of, then let him throw his picks. And then you'll know that he's not good enough to be an NFL quarterback. But putting him out there when you don't trust him just to hand it off and throw screens on third and one at the end of the game, you threw a screen with 40 seconds left in the game. Ultimately, that's the only reason you had to punt it away. So if you don't trust him, then bench him. But if you're going to keep playing him, you're going to put the ball in his hands and you're going to say, hey, kid, go out there. You're on your own. Go throw the football. And I don't trust that he can do it. And there's no reason at all. Yes, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I kept saying it's early. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Right now, we don't know because we haven't seen him do it because the Jets haven't given him the ability to do it. But the guys who see him every day, the coaches, the coordinators who see him every single day in practice, they don't trust him to go out there and throw the football. So if those guys don't trust him to go out there and throw the football, then why should I? So I don't think this kid is going to be it. Like I said, there's talent on this team. There's talent everywhere. And the one position, the most important position, we don't have any faith in him. And there's no reason we should. And that is why the Jets lost this game. If you think the way the game ended, and everyone's going to talk about the way the game ended, everyone's going to talk about the kick return for a touchdown. I don't even want to talk about it. It doesn't matter. That's the Jets inventing ways to lose. They've done that my whole life. But now we actually have a talented team, the most talented team I've seen in my lifetime. A young, talented team. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Brees Hall when he comes back, Elijah Vera Tucker when he comes back. The defensive line with Quinnen Williams, those guys, Quincy Williams, Sawson Reed, those guys are insane. This team is incredible. This is a really good football team. And there's one kid on this team who's ruining it for everyone else. And when they asked him after the game, they said, do you think you're letting your defense down? He said, no, because he's so cocky. And before the game, also, mind you, before the game, he said, they, they asked him, like, what do you think about your play so far? And he said, well, I think everyone's wrong about me, and I'm going to shut everyone up. You're so concerned about what other people have to say about you, but instead of going out there and proving it on Sunday, you're just going to talk about it in the media. I think he handled the game really poorly. I think he handled the postgame even worse. And what's crazy is that I told you this. I didn't know how they were going to lose. I knew they'd find a way to lose. They're in last place. Now, when you're in first place, lose, you're in last place. They're in last place. I didn't know how they'd do it, but I knew that they'd find a way to lose this game, and they did. And guess what? That's not even the craziest part. The worst part, the part that I'm upset about, is not the part where they punted with 20 seconds to go in the game and had it returns for a touchdown. That never happens, and that's not the part that I'm upset about. I'm fine with that. I get that. That's Jets. That's DNA. We've been doing that 25 years. 
People on Twitter were saying, I think this is the worst loss we've seen in our franchise's history. I'm not so sure. I've seen some really bad losses as a Jets fan. That's how bad this is. So that's not even the part that I'm upset about. A historic collapse on the last 28 seconds on the last play, just a punt, where all you could do, punt it out of bounds and the game is over. And that's not the part that I'm upset about because we're a quarterback away. And this quarterback is setting the entire franchise back. And the questions the rest of the season that now have to be answered are because of that. And everyone's talking about how do you come back from a loss like that? It's not only how do you come back from a loss like that. Yes, that's a devastating way to lose. And for the defense, I'd be demoralized if I was on that defense. You saw it with Garrett Wilson after the game, what he said in the post-game press conference. You saw him on the sideline. He was upset. You saw that Garrett Wilson was like, why am I not getting the ball? Trust me. Throw it to me. I'm good. Same with Elijah Moore. He was upset earlier in the year. My problem with this game is not that they lost and not that how do you get back up off the mat. It's how do you get back up off the mat when the one guy who's supposed to be the guy who carries you in the NFL, the quarterback, is the one who's letting you down. Nobody else let you down. I'm sorry. Yeah, the special teams, they weren't great today, but they weren't this bad. They're not the ones who let you down today. And the rest of the season, whether you think that they can mentally come back from this, this devastating loss, that doesn't even matter because if the quarterback is this and he's not the guy, clearly if he's this, then they can't come back from this regardless of if they mentally come back and if they're ready to play the next games. Because if I was the defense, I wouldn't even show up to next game. I'd be like, hey, try this now. We're going to let them put 40 points on us. Because if I was the defense, I'd be furious with how the offensive playing, with how Zach Wilson is playing. And I like I don't understand how they keep going out there, how they stay strong and mentally tough enough to go out there every drive. So one loss on a punt return is not going to kill this defense. They have to go out there after every three and out when the time of possession, by the way, both teams score the same number of points. And the time of possession was 35 to 24 Patriots. That means this defense is on the field the entire game because every time Zach Wilson is on the field, it's a three and out. He had two yards in the second half. The Jets had two whole yards of offense in the second half. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's insanity. And Salah said after the game, he said it was dog shit. That's what the the offense was in the second half. That's what they asked him about the offense. That's what he said. And I love that he said that. I love that he called out the offense. But it's not enough because it needs to change. And they asked him about a quarterback change, and he said that's the furthest thing that I'm thinking about right now. I get it. You don't have time to be upset about the loss because, like I said, the loss is not the bigger picture right now. Yes, this loss to some people might come as a surprise. To some people might come as, well, how could you lose this game? This is crazy. What a crazy loss. To me, the loss was a given. I told you I considered the loss before. Does it make it better? No. Does it make the way they lost any better? No. But there's something in front of us that's way worse than the loss, and it's actually going to get covered by the loss. Meaning, the Jets losing the way that they lost is actually playing as a cover for Zach Wilson right now, and that is astonishing to me, and I can't have that. Because he needs to get the blame for this loss, not a punt at the end of the game that was a fluky once-in-a-million play. Because that happens to the Jets all the time. But what Zach Wilson went out there and did today, that sets your franchise back a lifetime. That's the one that sets your franchise back multiple years. And that's what you have to worry about the rest of the season. You're never going to have a punt returned on you the rest of probably the next 25 years. You're not going to have a punt returned on you for a touchdown to lose a game. It's just not going to happen. But this quarterback going out there and playing like that again, that cannot happen. And if this Jets coaching staff and if this Jets front office allows that to happen, then everyone needs to be fired. I don't care. Trade for Aaron Rodgers. Figure it out. Start Mike White. 
But if you don't trust this kid, then don't put him out there. And if you do trust him, then put him out there and let him go play. It's that simple. Because if the Jets had Mac Jones today, they would have won that game. All right. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I didn't mean to get angry. I'm happy now. Um, yeah, that's that's basically it. That's the Jets game. It's crazy how I, I, I hate when I listen back to my podcast. I'll be honest here for a second. I hate when I listen back to it and I'm yelling. Like, it's not me. It's it's not, like, authentic. But they do infuriate me. Like, if I didn't care, um, then I guess I wouldn't be this furious. All right. Let's talk about the Giants because they also lost. The other New York team. Um, also, a team that is, I guess, going above and beyond all expectations and all reasonable expectations for this season. So, Giant fans can't be too upset, and I saw a lot of people being upset that, oh, the warts are starting to show, this team has injuries. They're 7-3. and three. You can't win them all. This team is not that talented. We know that. Daniel Jones is not a particularly good quarterback. He's probably not the quarterback of the future. What we do know is his coaching staff is world-class, and we know that you have another chance on Thursday Night Football, or Thursday Football, I'm not sure which game they play on Thanksgiving, and you have a chance to show the world that you're a really good team. I think it's the afternoon game, like the middle game. It's the second of the three games as the Giants play against the Cowboys. So four days later, it's a quick turnaround. Do I think this was a trap game for them that they were looking ahead to Thursday Night Football? No, I don't think so because I don't think this coaching staff would allow a trap game to happen. I just think they got outplayed by a team that might be a little bit more talented than you. A team that was able to run the ball right down your throat. Remember, Detroit ran the ball right down their throat, and the Texans kind of did the same thing last week, but the Texans got away from it. You've heard me talk forever about teams getting away from the run. Well, the Texans got away from the run too early last week, and Detroit didn't. They saw that, and they learned, and they ran the ball right down the Giants' throat, and the Giants couldn't keep up with them. They gave up 31 points. That's the one thing we know. This Giants' offense is not going to put up a ton of points, so they put up 18 points in this game, and they lost. It's just a loss. It's not a devastating loss. It's not a terrible loss. I think it's just a loss. And you have to come back four days later, quick turnaround, get ready for the Cowboys, and go beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys losing on Thanksgiving is a tradition that happens year after year. Now it's time to go do it. By the way, the Lions losing on Thanksgiving is also a yearly tradition, so that shouldn't be a problem either. I think both of these teams, or I guess the Giants, should be the team that wins on Thanksgiving, and the Lions should be the team that loses. But, um, by the way, I got my pick right in this game because, like I said, I thought I think Detroit was plus three and a half. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal for Detroit to cover this game, but I don't think it's that big of a deal that uh, the Giants lost this game. That's that's the bottom line. Buffalo and Cleveland from a game that was in New York to a game that was in Detroit, but between a New York team and a Cleveland team. I made that joke already on last episode. Sorry. I'll try and come up with new material for next one. Buffalo and Cleveland and the Bills are back. A lot of people are still saying, like, maybe the Bills are broken. Josh Allen didn't have his best game. But, like I talked about before this episode, on last episode, when I was previewing this game, that we see this every year, that the Bills go through stretches where they're just not particularly good at certain stretches of the season. And, to me, the biggest thing is Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over. So, he was throwing terrible picks the last couple of weeks. We talked about it with Brian Dable not being there anymore and how Daniel Jones doesn't throw terrible picks anymore, maybe because Brian Dable's there. And, in this game... Uh, Josh Allen didn't throw any picks, so that's an improvement. They weren't great. They weren't the team they can be at times, but they got a lot closer, and I think that's important. Interesting from this game, Naeem Hines had one carry, the guy they traded for, and Devin Singletary had 18, so he was awesome. (laughs) Um, 
but they ran the ball. Josh Allen did enough, and they won the game. I don't know if Josh Allen's hurt, but I think sometimes eliminating the mistakes before you can move forward and do what we know they're capable of doing is important. So they eliminated the mistakes in this game, and I expect them to come out on Thursday at 12.30 against the Lions on Thanksgiving, and I expect them to blow the doors off the Lions and blow them out on Thanksgiving. So unless that doesn't happen, unless the Bills don't look like the Bills on Thanksgiving— then I'll start to worry a little bit. But until that happens, until they're losing to the Lions, I wouldn't be too upset. I wouldn't be too nervous. With everything going on, with their families back in Buffalo, with them having to travel out of Buffalo and not being able to practice, go to Detroit and play against Cleveland, a 31-23 to win, which, by the way, I got my bet right because Cleveland did cover. I also said the under in this game. That did not hit. 31-23 to was way over, even the adjusted 48 and a half line, which is what it was adjusted to, uh, it would not have been enough to cover this. Um, but the Bills get the win, and like I said, I, I, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm not too nervous about this team. We've seen them go through these lulls. Do I still totally trust them in close games? Do I still trust them in overtime games? Not fully, but look, you have to learn how to win those close games. I expect them to do it at some point. As long as you still have that high-powered offense and Josh Allen is not hurt, I think they'll be right there at the end of the season when all is said and done. Another team that people were starting to get nervous about, and they were a team that was starting to get nervous, was the Philadelphia Eagles. They do win, ultimately. Indianapolis did cover, so Jeff Saturday, all of a sudden, 1-1 one one <laughs> as a head coach. All of a sudden, oh, he's not the great head coach he thought he was, huh? But I guess when they were up early in this game, you did think he was that great. They were up 16-3 to in the fourth quarter, but Philly came back and won the game, uh, Philly has a problem, and that problem is stopping the run. And we saw they they made a couple panic signings, right? They signed Ndamukong Sue and another defensive lineman whose name is slipping my mind at the moment. But they had two signings for guys who could both stop the run. They also have an injury on the defensive front. So maybe it's not panic for them. Maybe they're just trying to shore it up. Maybe those are just depth pieces. But just like I said about the Bills, that sometimes it's not – you can't like play the results – Look, in this game, they could have been better against the run. But after that first touchdown drive for Indianapolis, they were pretty good, Philly was. And what I saw of Jalen Hurts in this game is more important than anything else. Because if this team is going to win, they're going to need Jalen Hurts to play MVP caliber football. You need a quarterback to be your best player, to be your leader. And Jalen Hurts, with the 14 points in the fourth quarter... He led this team to a victory down the stretch, and what he did on this comeback, I don't care what he did the previous three quarters because what he did down the stretch to bring this team back and to win them the game is as impressive as anything I've seen from a young quarterback, and so that is more important. If you're Philly and you want to look at positives from this game because there's not a lot of positives to winning by one against an Indianapolis Colts team that fired their head coach a week and a half ago and hired a high school coach as the replacement who was playing football and doing push-ups on the sideline, by the way, before the game. Like, all of a sudden, he's big stuff. I could do, like, okay. They hired an ESPN analyst. Essentially, they hired Skip Bayless to be their head coach. I'm being sarcastic again. But there's not a lot of positives to take out of a one-point one win against that team, against that team that you should have crushed, probably. Although I had Indianapolis covering. But like I said, if you want to look at a positive what Jalen Hurts did down the stretch of that game is extremely impressive. Did anyone catch Nick Sirianni um, celebrating his celebration after the game? Because that was weird. 
Um, I think he was like standing up and like talking back at the Indianapolis fans, chirping them. That was weird for a head coach. Well, I'll say that. That's all. I don't. Maybe I saw that wrong. I thought I saw that um, after the game. The LA Rams played against the New Orleans Saints. I got this one wrong. I took the Rams to cover and they lost 27 to 20. And I think it's official. Both these teams are bad teams. Um, Matt Stafford looked better. So there's a positive for LA despite losing. But then, of course, just as he looks better, he gets concussed and he leaves the game. I'm not saying that that's why they lost. Obviously, now the news came out that's probably going to be closer to six to eight weeks and not two to four weeks for Cooper Cup. And I think that puts a wrap on the LA Rams season. And if you think about it, this is the first time a Sean McVay team has lost four consecutive games, which is insanity. And the last reigning Super Bowl championship team to finish the following season with a losing record was the 2003 Bucks. They won the 2002 Super Bowl, and then they had a losing record, finished the season with a losing record in 2003. And it seems like the Rams are definitely headed that way. They're 3-7 and seven through 10 games, and it only seems to be getting worse if they don't have Matt Stafford for another game. They don't have Cooper Cup probably the rest of the season. It's not getting better for them from here on out. They're almost a lock to miss the playoffs at this point. Um, but like I said, they are probably going to have a losing record. And for Sean McVay, that's a first. And despite the reports from this uh, in Peter Schrager, who said that he doesn't see him going into broadcasting this year. If someone throws a lot of money at him, he could still walk away and then come back and coach uh, at another time later because he's like 30 years old. A positive for the Rams, Cam Akers looks good today. Congrats. Clap it up for Cam Akers. <laughs> I mean, that guy was dead and buried at the beginning of the season. And now when the team is dead and buried, he's the one getting the workload and actually looks good. That was kind of weird. Um, I have nothing to say about the Saints. From that perspective, I guess congrats to Andy Dalton. He had a great year. This is another one or a great game, I should say. This is another one of those games that gets him employed, gets him another contract for a year. So uh, congrats to Andy Dalton. Good job. I don't think that team's particularly good either. It's not a good division. We know that the Bucks are probably going to win that division, um, and that's going to be that. And none of those other teams are going to make the playoffs from that division. Speaking of that division, Carolina, they were here in Baltimore. They lost 13-3 to against Baltimore. I picked that correctly as Carolina did cover. Um, and the under also hit. I told you to bet the under on this game. And there it was. I, I was right. I bet the under on this game. This is one of the most boring games I've watched. It reminded me a lot of the Baker Mayfield uh, broken shoulder game last year in Baltimore when he was on the Browns against the Ravens. That was mostly Ravens backup. So much so that I kept looking for Nick Chubb. And I was like, wait, Chubba Hubbard? Not Nick Chubba? I was confused watching this game because Baker Mayfield playing poorly in uh m&t bank stadium is kind of like a just a yearly tradition that we have like i said super boring game but to me kind of an important game for the ravens and i'll tell you why a lot of people i like i said i produced the post game show people called up on the radio and they talked about oh the ravens stink you can't win you can't win playoff games like this blah 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 this is not a good showing for them this is a terrible sign if they play like this they're not going to go anywhere to me none of that matters to me their defense showed up and their defense, specifically their front, showed that they could stop the run and they can get pressure on the quarterback. And if they can do that and the corners play the way they did and Patrick Queen all of a sudden is revived with the addition of Roquan Smith and you talk about what Marlon Humphrey and what he's looked like and the way everyone on this defense has looked, JPP getting involved in making plays. If this Ravens defense can play the way they play today, 
I trust that this offense will come around. Why do I trust that the offense will come around? I don't know. <laughs> they haven't done it this year. They haven't been able to put up a ton of points. But I see flashes and and like the second half against the Saints in that game. There are spurts where when they decide that they're going to run the ball and then run everything off of that, right? With Lamar running the ball, whether it's the option reads, the triple options, the RPOs, all that stuff. When they decide to do that and then run other stuff off of that, whether it's Mark Andrews, whether it's Demarcus Robinson who had a great game today, I still think they should look into Odell Beckham Jr., but it seems like he's narrowed it down to the Cowboys and the Giants. I think that the Ravens' offense, for some reason, I trust that they'll come around and that Lamar will be MVP Lamar by the time the season ends. And if this defense can play like this, can get into the shape to the point that they're playing like this every week, then this team could be a Super Bowl contender. Now, Baker Mayfield sucks, so I don't know necessarily that they're going to play like this against Baker Mayfield or, I guess, against other quarterbacks that aren't Baker Mayfield. But like I said earlier in the year, confidence breeds confidence and if you hold a team to three points then the next time out you feel like you could hold anyone to three points and if this defense is playing like that they have, when the season ends I trust that the offense will come around I still like my pick as the Ravens potentially as a sleeper Super Bowl candidate I still like Lamar's a sleeper MVP candidate talked about it on last episode all right Washington against Houston another game I got right I'm on fire yeah I am Washington there's by the way there's I told you I use uh ESPN like the um, the ESPN pickums, that's what I use to pat the games. And there's a little fire emoji next to my. As I at some point, like I was six games over 500 on the season. Now I'm like 20 something games over 500. So I'm really killing it the last few weeks. And like I said, that little fire emoji next to my name now on ESPN because I'm on fire. Um, 23 to 10, Washington beat Houston, and Houston further proves that they're one of the first one of the worst, I should say, teams in the league. Um, Heineke was named the starter after the game, as he should be. He didn't play all that great. Um, but this is another thing, and I talked about this at nauseum, so close your ears if you heard me say this before. They ran the ball 10 times with Pierce. Damian Pierce ran the ball 10 times. I don't care that you were down early. I know Washington jumped out to a huge lead, but if you're going to win, you got to play your brand of football and you have to stick to it. It reminds me, Aaron Jones, by the way, on Thursday Night Football, and I said this before the game, the team that continues to run the ball and sticks to the game plan is going to team that w- going to be the team that wins, and the team that loses that and ditches that game plan is going to be the team that loses. Well, Aaron Jones and the Packers ditched that game plan because he ran the ball 12 times on Thursday Night Football. And in this game, Heineke and the Commanders kept Houston in this game, and yet... Houston didn't take advantage. They ran the ball 10 times with Pierce and continued to throw with Davis Mills. And Davis Mills, I know that was cute for a while. He'll probably get himself some good backup money. He'll probably be a backup for the next 10, 15 years in the NFL because he's shown that he's capable of managing an offense, but he's not it. He stinks. He threw two more picks today. He's not He's not what you want as a starting quarterback. Houston's going to bottom out, and they're going to go try and find their quarterback in this draft this year. Speaking of finding your quarterback, uh, another team that everyone thinks has found their quarterback, they lost again today. Chicago lost to Atlanta. I did take Chicago to cover the plus three and a half, so I got that one right as well. For those keeping score at home in the early games and Thursday night football, so far on the week, I'm eight and one on my picks. 
The only one I got wrong was L.A. and New Orleans, which I told you. I had no idea where that game was going. Um, look, uh, I sounded a little sour on last episode when I talked about Justin Fields. I'm not sour. He's better than Zach Wilson. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Zach Wilson is ass. And Justin Fields, not as ass. Congrats. Congrats to all the Bears fans and anyone who wants to tell me that Justin Fields is much better than Zach Wilson. But he's not a passing quarterback. We talked about this with Lamar a bunch of years ago, and I admit I was wrong. Lamar has shown me that he can stand in the pocket and make throws when he needs to. Two minutes from your own 25-yard line, game on the line, down three, I don't trust him. I don't trust Justin Fields because he can't make the plays from the pocket to win you a game. And the only thing that will change my mind is when they start winning games. Go win a game, and I'll change my mind. But they haven't won any games. So with all this, with all this fun that everyone's talking about, cool. But what does it mean? He can keep running for 100 yards every game, keep running for touchdowns, keep looking extremely athletic and extremely capable. But until he can show me that he's a winning quarterback, I don't think he's a winning quarterback. Would I take him in a heartbeat over Zach Wilson today? 100%. If he's on the Jets today, do the Jets blow out the Patriots? Yeah, they probably beat them by 30 points. But he's impressive. I'll give you that. But he keeps losing. Maybe it's the defense. Maybe it's other factors. But he's not losing by a lot of points. These are games that he has an opportunity to go and go win the games at the end of these games, and he's not been able to do that. So until he proves me otherwise, which I'm not saying he can't. He definitely is has the talent to do it. He's more than capable of doing it. But go out and do it, and then I'll admit that you've done it. I genuinely don't know how Atlanta keeps winning games, by the way. Because like, if you look at the box score, they didn't do that much to win this game. And every time, they win. So impressive by Atlanta that they're hanging on. They're sticking in that division with the Bucs. In the game that everyone was talking about, this week and a game that I told you I wanted to pick Dallas in this game. And yet I trusted the system. This is on the system. This is not on me. Minnesota gets blown out by Dallas 40 to three. And this is why we didn't trust the Vikings. Everyone who yelled and screamed about now you have to start trusting the Vikings. Look what the Vikings did. The Vikings coming back against Buffalo. And this is what's interesting. Look, you can't discredit what the Vikings did to the Buffalo bills, but that doesn't make them a good team. They had a really impressive win. That doesn't mean they're good. It means that they had a really fun, impressive win. But on a 4th and 18, it took them an incredible catch, a generational catch from Justin Jefferson. It took them a fumble from Josh Allen. Think about how much had to happen for the Vikings to come back and beat the Bills. You look at the one-score games across the NFL, and the Vikings have been winning a lot of one-score games this year. And their two losses were blowouts against Philly and now against Dallas. Oh, and by the way, Kirk Cousins at 425, anything but Kirk Cousins at 1 o'clock is not good. By the way, Tony Pollard, he's RB1 in Dallas now. So congrats. I've been talking about that. I've been, I think I've been the number one fan or promoter of Tony Pollard becoming the top running back in Dallas, so I'm glad that that's finally happening. 
And Dak Prescott today was Dak Prescott. I mean, his top receiver was Tony Pollard. So he's throwing dink and dunk passes. I think CeeDee Lamb, who's his number one wide receiver, had 40 yards or something like that. So he's not asked to do too much. He's 23 for 26, which is incredible. The numbers look great. But we always talk about how Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are so similar. Well, they kind of did the same things in this game. Kirk Cousins didn't turn the ball over. Kirk Cousins threw a bunch of dink and dunk passes. And then the second he was down big and had to start throwing the ball downfield, he sucked. So Dak was out to a big lead, didn't turn the ball over, and kept dinking and dunking his way to a win. And 40 points and a 43 win. So with both of these quarterbacks who we always compare, we talk about how Dak Prescott and Kirk are so similar. We have saw, in this game, we saw both sides of the spectrum because we saw what Dak is capable of doing when he has a big lead and he does isn't asked to do too much. And we saw what Kirk can do when he starts getting asked to do a little bit more than he's capable. And that's exactly what it is with these two quarterbacks. So do I think either one of these guys can win a Super Bowl? I guess if everything falls just right for four weeks in a row, they can win a Super Bowl. But I wouldn't bet on either of these teams. By the way, speaking of the one-score game thing, because this is something we talked about with Minnesota, just because they won a lot of one-score games doesn't mean that they should get blown out by 37 points. That's not what that means. That doesn't translate either, right? That math doesn't work. But it does mean that maybe they're not as good as their record says they are. And so speaking of that, the Las Vegas Raiders. Last year, all we talked about with the Raiders was, well, they keep winning these one-score games. They're 7-1 in one-score games. We talked about with the Raiders last year that how are they keeping it together? It's crazy that with the head coach being fired and that whole scandal, with Henry Ruggs and that whole situation, all the pop and circumstance around this team, how, are, how do they keep winning football games? And maybe it just was that. It was just luck. <laughs> it's hard to win a lot of games when you're lucky, but if they're one-score games, you're staying close in games, they're finding ways to win. But now it's catching up. So we went into this season all of a sudden. We forgot everything we said about the team last year. And all of a sudden we had these high hopes for Vegas this year because they didn't get their fire, their head coach fired this year. They didn't have any of that stuff happen to them yet this year. That all happened last year and they were able to overcome it. So this year it should be great, right? Or maybe they're just a bad team and we overlooked it because they overcame it last year in a miraculous way. Either way, they get the win today in a one-score game. They beat Denver 22 to 16, another loss. So, by the way, the afternoon game's taking me down. I'm now eight and three on the week. Um, so they lose 22 to 16. They lose, uh, or I guess, De- sorry, Vegas wins 22 to 16 in overtime. And what I saw from this game, Russell Wilson is bad. Already knew that. Vegas is bad. Now, knew that too. Nothing's new there. And Devontae Adams, still really freaking good, and he gets the game-winning touchdown. No news, basically, from this game. All right, the last game in the afternoon games, and then we'll get to Sunday night football, uh, as that is underway now. Um, And I will come back and talk to you guys once Sunday night football is a wrap. The final score was Cincinnati 37 and Pittsburgh 30. Um, so I did get my pick right. I did take Cincinnati minus four and a half. So nine and three so far as just a reminder, I have Kansas City minus six and a half. By the time you hear this, Kansas City and the Chargers will have already played in this game. Um, Joe Burrow found his new favorite target, Samaje Pirine. So Joe Mixon goes out of the game. Joe Burrow was like, oh, I don't care. And he threw it to the next best guy. We saw an incredible play from TJ Watt also on an interception. Um, 
And like I said, nine and three on my picks. And I predicted this. We're going to start to see the Bengals start creeping up, in my opinion. That division, they always play each other close. That was the one thing that I was scared of when I took the minus four and a half for Cincinnati. But I think Cincinnati is going to start to figure it out. I don't love what I saw from their defense today. Nashi Harris looked really good. George Pickens looked really good. Or Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Yeah, they both looked really good. Um, But like I said, uh, there is a lot to like from Cincinnati on the offensive side. And I think the defense will start to catch up uh, as we move forward in the season. To Sunday night football we go and to L.A. where it was the Chargers against the Chiefs. And I saw someone say about this game that, oh, it's such a great rivalry. It never fails. Is it really a great rivalry if the ending is the exact same way every single time? And yes, it ends the same way every time with Patrick Mahomes going down the field for a score, whether it's at the end of the game or whether he's blowing them out. He's now 14-0 and on road games in the AFC West. Let me repeat that. In his career, he's 14-0 and on road games in the AFC West. That is the second longest streak by a starting quarterback in a road division game since the 1970 merger, trailing only Hall of Famer Joe Montana's 20-game road streak from 1984 to 1993. That's unbelievable what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now. And every once in a while, Patrick Mahomes reminds us that he's not just the MVP of the league as he should be the favorite right now. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. And when you watch him, he clearly is one of the greatest we've ever seen. Look, I know a lot of people were saying on Twitter and PFT and other people were jokingly saying, oh, that's way too much time for Mahomes. Look how much time he left for Mahomes. But it's true. You knew he was going to go down the field and score there. I don't care if it was a minute 47. I don't care how much time it was. It didn't matter. Patrick Mahomes was going to go down the field and score. And Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, they impressed me. They looked a lot better. And maybe it was that he was missing his top receivers because Herbert looked like a different guy today. And so credit to him. Credit to Keenan Allen for doing that and for being that threat that he is because Keenan Allen has been a really reliable receiver for the last few years in the NFL. And it's a shame that injuries have held him back this year. Maybe that's what's held Justin Herbert back. I still believe Justin Herbert is an excellent quarterback. But how, how many times... Are we going to go back and say, well, Justin Herbert is so great. If only he can get some wins. Look, he's really good, but he just doesn't win these games. Well, it's tough when you have to play Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes has the ball last. Like I said, he's as good as anyone I've seen. And I know everyone's talking about it, but you still got to talk about it. You don't want to be repetitive, but when you watch that game, it's so impressive to watch. It's, It's remarkable. You don't see things like that. You don't see other players do things like that, and Patrick Mahomes just does it again and again. Uh, I think at this point, he has to be the MVP, in my opinion, if I'm watching the NFL, and I know I have my money on Lamar right now, but Super Bowl favorites, MVP, I take the Chiefs, because what Travis Kelsey does also, and everyone talks about it, how Travis Kelsey is like another quarterback out there. He reads defenses so well. That's my best Chris Collinsworth. He said that, uh, but it's true. They are on the same page, and they're reading the defense and reacting, and in that spot when Patrick Mahomes, I mean, that's what a quarterback should look like. It, it reminded me, like, I enjoyed that watching that so much, and it reminded me just how far away the Jets are, and I know, you know, they're not a Patrick Mahomes away because every team in the NFL would be a Patrick Mahomes away because of how special he is, but just seeing a guy who, in a spot, just so calm and poised, 
and down he it's like they're never down he just runs up the middle when he has that space when he got to like inside the 20 yard line and then he just throws it to Kelsey and that's it game over and Justin Herbert had a chance to come back the other way with 30 seconds, but he throws a tip ball that gets an interception. I take Herbert over Wilson either way, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, but like I said, I, I just enjoyed watching incredible football. But it does kind of remind you that the Jets are so, so far away. All right, Monday Night Football is tonight. I'm going to give you my prediction. I did not guess the line for this one because uh, it was hard to hide from it. I did see it. It was San Francisco minus 7.5 in Arizona. I took San Francisco. As you know, I think these are two franchises trending in the opposite directions. I probably would have guessed that the line would have been smaller, so maybe my system would tell me to take Arizona to cover, especially on a Monday night. Maybe it would be a close game, but I think it's time for San Francisco to emerge as a legitimate Super Bowl contender and to step up in this game and prove themselves as one of the Super Bowl contenders that I believe they truly are. Uh, So I took San Francisco minus seven and a half over Arizona. I think they will come out of this game victorious. By the way, just to wrap a bow on Sunday, the Knicks lost to a terrible, just gross effort defensively again in Phoenix. So that defensive intensity lasted two games. Two games, as they've now lost two consecutive games, one in Phoenix and one in Golden State. So that's fun. That's fun as Knicks fans. More just added on to the pile, I guess, of my terrible franchise. And, uh, you know, the Zach Wilson thing is more and more is coming out on Twitter. I like what the Jets players are saying on Twitter, that they're defending him. But, again, the problem to me, so much more than his lack of performance and his poor play is his lack of accountability because how do you ever improve if you can't be accountable for your mistakes and blaming everyone else and saying it's everyone else's fault is never going to get you anywhere Um, and and his struggles like I said off the field are way way more concerning than his struggles on the field and sources were saying he's walking around the clubhouse after the game acting like he's not the problem I mean it's just It's just typical Jets when you think, okay, fine, even if they lose this game, it can't get that bad. It's just so bad. And it's a shame because this is a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl. And like my friend told me, and like I said, they are legitimately a quarterback away. And unfortunately, this kid is not only not that guy and whether the coaching staff doesn't trust him or whether he doesn't trust himself and all those things. Not only is he not that guy, he's hurting the team with the way he's acting, with the way he's carrying himself, apparently, and that's just really not good. And this is a kid who right now is arrogant, he's cocky, he overbelieves in himself, he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, he's trying to prove everyone wrong, but he goes out there on Sunday and he stinks, and that's it, and he has zero accountability, and he's acting, honestly, just like an entitled brat, <laughs> like a like an entitled kid. Uh And, you know, we know the background he comes from, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But unfortunately, he just does not seem like the guy because if you're not willing to learn from your mistakes, if you're not willing to take accountability, you're never going to learn. So that kind of wraps a bow. And by the way, speaking of, because we're going to get to see it up close, we're going to get to see the Bears play against the Jets on Sunday. So we're going to get to see Justin Fields, who they could have taken in that draft, who's now emerging as those are two quarterbacks from the 2021 draft definitely trending in opposite directions so we'll get to see and everyone can shove it in my face when the bears blow out the jets and justin fields runs all over them like oh you want zach wilson over him i never said that i just said i don't really see the throwing so much with justin fields but um 
yeah, we'll get to see it on Sunday. I don't expect the Jets to win against even the lowly Bears. And if Zach Wilson can't put up points and yards on the Bears, then that should be his last game as a starting quarterback for the Jets. And I think by the time we get to this offseason, we're going to be campaigning for other quarterbacks. A lot of people talking about Derek Carr, other people. I think hits three repeats itself. You guys know where I'm going with this. In 2008, the Jets went out and Craig Carton campaigned and got Brett Favre, an older Packers quarterback, to come to the Jets so that the young kid could step in in Green Bay. Bring home Aaron Rodgers. Bring him to the Jets. History repeats itself, like I said. I love Aaron Rodgers. Everyone knows that. I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers stan. And... Zach Wilson now has seven games to prove that he's the guy, but seven games on an extremely short leash. And if he doesn't prove that he's actually the guy in the next seven games, he could be gone a lot sooner than that. And uh, this could be falling apart because this team is legitimately good. They know they're good. They know they're a playoff team. And when you're a team that's that good and you feel like there's just one weak link holding you back, then you lose the locker room that way. And if Zach Wilson loses the locker room, there's no coming back from that. And he can't be the starting quarterback of this team anymore. All right, that's going to do it for the episode. As always, please like, subscribe, rate, review. Share it with a friend if you like it. I appreciate every single one of you for listening. And until next time, hopefully on Wednesday morning, that will be, I will see you. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high. When you take me to your eyes, like I'm standing in the sky. Your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I ain't change it oh, 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 Always on my road, I'm still New York Birds flying on the highline With the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Oh, 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 I change it Oh, 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 always on my
I'm still here.